We're talking about love addiction. We're really talking about codependency. Okay, codependency. I'm looking for something on the outside of me to soothe what's on the inside of me. Love addiction. You probably feel like you're literally going through withdrawal when you are not in contact with with that other person. These are people where it's like you have been crying in the shower for an hour. You haven't heard from them. Okay, you're crying in the shower. You are so stressed. You're in the group text. You are praying to God to remove this pain from your life. And then they send you a text and it's as if nothing happened. That is codependency. I feel like I'm going through withdrawal. And as soon as I get a hit, I feel totally resolved. The solve to that is not getting more communication. The solve to that is healing the part of me that is codependent and reliant on something outside of me to stabilize my mood. It's like using a person as an antidepressant. I am Taylor Chandler. I'm a licensed therapist, host of this podcast, Boundaries and Grace, and leader of my practice, Reattach. My mission is to help you shift to secure attachment uprooting anxiety and avoidance, replacing with clarity and peace. You will shift. I miss this. Oh my gosh, let's go. Number one, how do I go... Okay, I'm Taylor Chandler. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm also a certified health coach, certified personal trainer, and a certified transformational coach. I'm just doing all of the wellness things, and I help you break negative relationship cycles. Okay, so I work a lot with attachment styles, helping you to shift to secure, reattach my eight-week um My eight-week coaching group starts on Tuesday, April 18th. It's going to be so good. I'm just so excited about so many things. I don't even have time to do the announcement. Let's go. Number one, how do you go from anxious to secure attachment? Does Does anybody else in the chat have interest in going from anxious to secure attachment? You are tired of looking crazy, checking for that good morning text every morning. You're stressed. Okay, you're stressed, you find yourself wondering where where is this going? What are we? And it's hour three. You just met. You matter of fact, you just matched, okay, on hinge or the or the tinder. Are y'all still using Tinder? Get off of Tinder. I would say go ahead and get off of that. I think that the glory has uh passed over Tinder. That's my I that's what just what I think. I, I'm getting something in the spirit is telling me that uh the glory has done passed over Tinder. I think if you on Tinder, it's about time to get off. But uh if you're anxious attachment, uh stressed and upset, your friends are tired of hearing about it, but you've been talking about it for the last eight months. Y'all been together for eight months and two days. You've been talking about it for the last eight months. Okay, come on now. You know what I'm talking about. So how do you go from anxious to secure attachment? Number one, you cannot be secure with people who are doing things that actually activate your insecurity. Okay, number one, how do I go from anxious to secure attachment? Sometimes somebody wants to go from anxious to secure attachment, but you don't want to leave people who, who, who literally make you feel insecure. Let's start there. Number one, you cannot be secure with people who will not like literally facilitate a secure relationship with you. That's number one. Okay. Now from here, a lot of a lot, a lot of anxious types don't know if it's them or the other person. Like now you're like, well, 
well, well I don't, how do I know if I, if, what if I'm the toxic one, right? Great question. Great question. Thank you for buying a badge. Let's get some badges in the house. Hello? I'm, I'm back. I'm back on Instagram Live. Okay, thank you. So, um, look, a lot of anxious types, rightfully, uh, uh, valid question, am I the toxic one? Matter of fact, you might want to ask yourself that a little, what, who has gotten into me? You might want to ask yourself that a little bit more often. And if you don't know if it's you or if it's them, it's okay to take a breather, to give yourself a little bit of space, maybe a lot of space, so that you can really see yourself independent of external forces, especially ones that are triggering you. Whether it's you or not becomes irrelevant when you are in a state of chaos, okay? That is a very difficult time to try to tease out who's doing what when you are super dysregulated. Does that make sense? So just giving yourself some time to breathe can help you to just see clearly, Okay, or at least more clearly than you've been seeing uh, up till that point. Understand this: many times the relationship you formed, you have there, many times the relationship that we form when we are in our insecure attachment are able to exist because of your insecurity. It's hard to believe now, but when you become a help, when you become healthier, like who you're actually meant to be, you will not see these people the same. You will not see these people the same way when you get clear vision, when you get a healthier self-concept, when you are more confident, when you are thinking clearly, when you have broken the patterns, when you are no longer trying to heal your parents through your husband's Mm, when you are no longer trying to heal your parents through your wives, through your girlfriends and such, you don't actually look at those people that used to be prospects the same way. Okay. And so it can be hard to believe now, but sometimes the same relationships that you have been trying to save are relationships that could only exist when you were drowning. Okay, relationships where you are the one drowning and they are the lifeguard or vice versa. And so someone has to be in struggle. Someone has to be dying. Someone has to be toxic. Someone has to be deficient. Someone has to be failing in order for the relationship to exist because we, because that's our attraction. That is the, that's the pattern that we have with each other is that one person drowns while the other person saves or vice versa or we flip flop. So when you become a healthier version of yourself, oftentimes the very people that you are trying to save are people that you couldn't exist with in your new life. Let's move on. Number two, same question. How do you go from anxious to secure attachment? Deal with issues from the past. Okay. I just mentioned like, when you try to heal people, like heal people from the past through people in the present. And when you deal with and effectively resolve your issues from the past, you don't try to keep healing those same issues because they're already resolved. We call this a healing fantasy. We're going to be doing healing childhood in a couple of weeks, the healing childhood workshop live, which is going to be really good for a lot of people. Childhood always has to do with attachment issues. Sometimes you think that, oh my gosh, I never had these issues until I met him. Oh my gosh, I never had these issues until I met her. But the reality is, is that those issues are really lying dormant until they have the opportunity to be activated. Someone in your adult life doesn't create your insecure attachment. They just allow you to express it. Somebody tell me that you hear me. Listen to me. 
Someone in your adult life does not create your insecure attachment. They just allow you to express it. They are exactly the right type with exactly the right variables, the right personality, the right qualities, even though they may be negative or detrimental or toxic for you. They've got exactly the, they're exactly the right type for you to express your most insecure self. But that existed before you got there. Okay, and so you've got to deal with childhood issues. I don't care if both of your parents were in the house. I don't care if they I don't I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. (laughs) I don't care because there is something going on back there that that allowed you to develop certain beliefs that then motivated certain behaviors that now you are trying to solve in your adult life. Okay, number three, you've got to change your idea of yourself. The question is, how do you go from anxious to secure attachment? You've got to change the idea of yourself. This is your self-concept. What do I think about me? My attitudes about myself, my thoughts and my feelings about myself. Self-esteem problems are at the root of insecure attachment, whether you're anxious, avoidant, fearful, avoidant, or disorganized. I've got a self-esteem issue. Okay. Listen, if if you are anxiously attached, you will not feel better because someone else loves you. You will feel better because you know that you are lovable and worthy regardless of that person's reaction or behavior towards you. It doesn't mean that we don't like validation, that we don't like affirmation, that we don't like reassurance. But when when those kinds of things make me who I am, then I have a wobbly self-esteem. I have a wobbly self-concept because I do not feel good unless you make me feel good. Okay, so you will not actually authentically feel better about yourself because someone else loves you, you feel better about yourself authentically at a core level when you, when you're able to maintain the awareness that you are deserving and worthy regardless of whether someone else affirms it in that moment or not. So you are worthy, deserving, valuable, all on your own, all as a, just because of just be, just you as a, as you exist. Okay. You already get all of those things. Okay. When someone does not reflect that back to you, it doesn't mean when, if someone doesn't reflect that back to you, if someone doesn't affirm that when someone doesn't treat you that way, hear me, they might not be your audience. They might not be your audience. Are you worthy, deserving, valuable at your very core at all times? Yes. But you are not valuable to everybody. Let me get the mic. Let me get the mic. Make sure you hear me. Let me make sure the um, podcast hears me. You are valuable, loving. Let me say it. You are valuable, loving, deserving, worthy. You are good, but you are not good for everybody. You are not valuable to everybody. You are not worth it to everybody. Let me tell you, because I love you. It's out of love. I'm telling you this. I don't want to see, I don't want to see you go through this. Not one more day. You hear me? (laughs) You hear me? Come here. Come here. You are good, valuable, worthy. You are attractive. You are, you are, 
you know, deserving. You are worthy, valuable, but you are not good for everybody. You are not valuable to everybody. You are not worth it to everybody. Okay. So some the people who do not, uh, who reflect that back, affirm that back to you, they might not be your audience, meaning that we are not compatible. Okay. And we love, listen to me. You now, 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 today, you need to love the knowledge of incompatibility. You need to say, I love knowing when we are incompatible because I know exactly what to do. I need to adjust my expectations of you. I might need to uh, replace you in my life, not necessarily kick you out, but reposition you, re- replace you, put you in a different place. Okay, I might need I need to have boundaries between us. Okay, if we are incompatible, I need you today to start to say I love knowing when we are incompatible. It doesn't doesn't mean I love incompatibility, but I love to know it. I I want to know. Tell me. Let give me the information as soon as we can get to it. Are we, how incompatible? Let me know. Okay, so I need you to change your mindset about that. All right, we ready to move on? Let's move on. If you're getting something out of this, let me know. I love the hearts. I love 100s. I love the fire. Okay, get in the comments. Let me know what's going on. Let me know how you're feeling. Is it landing? Okay, is it landing for you? If it's working for you, be like Toto and buy a badge. Toto, if you're still in here, drop a comment so they know what the badge people look like. Let's move on. Number two, dating someone who started out as emotionally available then changed. What happened? Thank you, Toto. Look at that. Dating someone who started out as emotionally available then changed. What happened? Uh, Number one, they may have lost interest or may have found you to be incompatible with them. Number two, Oh, and by the way, no one actually owes you an explanation. If someone doesn't give it to you, that's just another uh, another fact in the case file. There is no investigation. The case is closed because they're no longer present. Case is closed. No more investigation. If you didn't get an explanation, move on. The case is closed. Number two is if some is. Is someone actually emotionally available or is that person actually emotionally available or are they just spending time with you? Just because someone's spending time with you, just because just because someone is uh, enjoying you, whatever that means, emotionally, physically, mentally taking up your time, energy, physical space, emotional space, just because someone is taking up space doesn't mean that they are emotionally available. Just because someone is physically present doesn't mean that they are emotionally available. Okay. So, um, signs of emotional availability are things like sharing, not t- not just taking reciprocity, making space for you in their life, having a position for you in their life. They're not just passing time. Just, people are passing time with people that they don't that they don't care if they ever see you again tomorrow, next week. They don't care. They know that they're moved. They're in Atlanta now. They know they're moving to LA in two weeks, and they will start a relationship with you today because they are emotionally unavailable, and so there actually is no effect on them. They're just doing things. Stop trying to figure these people out. Case is closed. Move along. Number three. Sometimes a person thinks that they want something, but finds that they are not ready. 
So go slow with people so you can assess their consistency and their true availability before becoming too attached. Before becoming too attached. Before becoming too attached, slow down to actually see, is this person actually really actually consistent? Some people are like, oh my gosh, I was love bombed. And by the way, most people are not getting love bombed. They're getting like things like harassed or they're getting... Uh, they're getting text messages. It's not necessarily love bombing, okay? But people are using the word all over the place. So people are like, oh my gosh, I'm getting love bombed, and then they just disappeared. You might have just been getting text messages. That's not really saying a whole lot. You might have just been getting somebody that's been pulling up. So, And by the way, stop letting people pull up at your house. Stop letting people pull up in you. Stop, stop, pull, stop. Stop pulling up in other people physically, emotionally, mentally digging into their past and you don't even know these people opening up uh, talking about all your childhood traumas and you met last week and now you have these attachments <laughs> about you being stopped now you have these attachments with people who you literally don't know and then when it gets to be too much as it as those kinds of things as it does with things like that when it gets to be too much, somebody starts to pull back and you're like, I've been tricked. No, you weren't. Because actually, if you just gave it another week or two, you would see that this is just who they are. It's not a trick. That's actually who they are. They're confused. They do things on the front end that they cannot carry through. That's who they are. You're like, they tricked me. They did. They changed up on me. They didn't change up on anything. That's actually who they are. And if you would have spent another 30, 60 days, you would see that that is their pattern. It's not a trick. I know somebody about to uh, stop the mess today, <laughs> okay? I know I didn't come on Instagram for nothing today. Somebody going to stop some stuff today, okay? Because I'm tired of it <laughs> for you. I'm tired of it for you around here looking crazy. Can't eat, can't sleep for people you don't even know. Let's move on. Number four, reasons why fearful avoidance uh, do silent treatment or stonewall. The fearful avoidance is like that mix of the anxious avoidant type. In the same person, why does the fearful avoidance um, give the silent treatment or stonewall? Number one, so why are people stonewalling you? Why are people giving you the silent treatment? Number one, you have backed them into a corner and they don't have a response. Okay, so sometimes when you're dealing with somebody who's like hot and cold, whatever, you get really frustrated, right? Because they're doing their they're doing their thing that you really don't like. And so sometimes when the frustration has built, you then like come at them with your list of complaints over the last two years. And it's just too much for someone to be able to respond to at once, even if everything you're saying is valid and true and real. Okay. So someone can might stonewall or give you the silent treatment when they feel overwhelmed or criticized, even when you have good points. So it's important to just go like one at a time to slow down and to make sure that you're expressing yourself non-defensively and concisely so that you're not offending or overwhelming the other person. Number two, why does why does a fearful avoidant type stonewall or give the silent treatment? Here's something that happens with a lot of people that have avoidant tendencies. They actually don't trust their own responses to you. And so since I don't trust I don't trust me with you. I don't trust the way that I would handle you. I don't trust the way that I can. I don't trust my conflict resolution skills. I don't trust myself in heated conversations. I don't trust myself to do what it is that you want me to do when we're having conflict. I will just shut down instead. Does that make sense to everybody? Are you following me? Are y'all must be taking notes because the comments are um quiet. 
<laughs> okay, so um, if I don't trust myself to handle you well, thank you, then I will just shut down instead of trying, instead of trying, especially if you've criticized me a lot about the way that I've done it before. Okay, it's not that your concerns aren't valid, but when I'm doing it in a way that can that is overwhelming or offensive, how can you really expect someone to respond to you well? So what can you do if you're the one that is experiencing the silent treatment or the stonewall first? You can make sure as best as you can that you're expressing non-defensively, okay, um, that you're expressing what it is that you need and that you have clear requests. The Boundary Playbook will help you with that. And of course, joining Reattach, which starts in a couple weeks, weeks is going to help you with how you even got into this mess, why you communicate the way that you do, and why you keep finding yourself attracted to these types anyway, okay? But the express and request strategy and to help you to be able to communicate better in a very plain way is that the bound is, um, you can get the Boundary Playbook. It's just $12. It's in my bio, Okay, by the way, I don't, I really mean no shade by this, no shade, but um, if you are over the age of 25 and you are still trying to DIY your mental health, like do it yourself, like patch, like it's like you doing like a patched quilt, trying to DIY um, your inner child, trying to, you know what I'm saying? If you are over the age of 25, I think it's safe to say that you need to, um, you know, get into some type of like strategic program to help you to um, get yourself together. I'm so serious. I'm in programs. I get coached. Okay. I've had plenty of therapy. Like I do a bunch of stuff. I do a bunch of stuff. Okay. I really suggest that you do not try to DIY your childhood and you have no check. Like there's no accountability. There's no professional. There's nobody helping you through it. I am just suggesting that if that's you, Please give yourself like, you know, give yourself a gift, the gift of healing by getting into a structured program. Okay, so the reattached program starts on April 18th if you're interested in that. And by the way, now after pay is available, you can split the payments for no extra cost. Okay, have you read the reviews anyway? Uh, there was a question that was, um, there was a question that was sort of attached to this one, not the same person, but a different question. But the question was this, how do I, how do I know the difference between deflection when someone is deflecting and when someone is legitimately calling me out on my behavior? What's the difference between deflection and really calling someone out? Or maybe they were talking about themselves. Like, how do I know when, if I'm deflecting or if I'm really, if I really have a valid point, regardless, here's some things to consider. If you, if you are bringing something up plainly, non-defensively, and making a clear request, the express and request strategy, right? Oh, never mind. Express and request strategy in the Boundary Playbook, $12, get you access to the master classes, all of that. If you are bringing something up plainly, non-defensively, and making a clear request, and that person then starts, hey, Erica, and, and that person then starts talking about what you did, yeah, we have an unhealthy cycle. I'm not putting fault on anybody, but I am saying that if you're bringing up something in a very plain, non-defensive, clear way, you have a clear request, and the other person still turns that bad boy on you, yes, we have an unhealthy cycle. Okay. Is, is it possible that the other person is emotionally immature? Absolutely. It is possible. Emotional because, because emotional immaturity makes someone feel like they're being attacked when they're really just asked, they're really just being asked to acknowledge something. 
By the way, and this was kind of like part of this other thing that I that I just get, that I skipped over because I was trying to get to this next question. If you are always with people who will not take responsibility, how long are you going to bang your head against the wall trying to get another adult to acknowledge your feelings and to validate something that obviously happened? Like you know, you're not making it up. So, 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 so sometimes people are really worried about like, how do I get this person to acknowledge my feelings, validate me, take responsibility, accountability for what they've done? Okay, that's one part of the equation. But what about the other part that you part that keeps trying to make a square fit into a round hole? Where you're like, when are you going to be like, you know what, this is so exhausting. And my head is bleeding from banging my head against the wall. I don't care if you don't take responsibility for anything. I don't care because I have to save myself at this point. And there's a part of me that is attracted to trying to fix you. And I need to join reattach so I can uproot that part of me because I'm tired of living, living my life in a circus. I'm a clown at this point, just doing the, just running tricks, trying to make magic happen. Okay trying to get you to do something that you refuse to do. When will you stop? <laughs> okay. When will you stop? Yeah, I know. I know how it sounds. I know how it sounds. Um, and we want to fix this problem at the reattach, the reattach eight week coaching group. Okay. We start on April 18th. Uh, at this point, I think we can agree that no one does attachment like me. And so even if you are, you're like, oh, I already know my style. Okay, well, if, if knowing it was enough, a lot of people would have solved this problem. That's the truth, right? If knowing it was enough, then we wouldn't need, we, we, it, that, would be all, that would be all that it took. So um, the program is going to take you, and the outline is, is on my website, but the program is going to take you through all the essential components and really not just map out what you need, but actually give you what you need. Weekly assignments, weekly exercises, and additional support groups on Sunday and Thursday nights that, um, for processing time, which I think is an extraordinary value add to the Reattach program that I've never done before. So the link is, it's below in the show notes, and you can also go to my website, IamTaylorChandler.com, under the Reattach Program tab. You can register there. You can also select Afterpay, if you would like, at checkout, which will allow you to split the payments for no additional cost. Let's get back to the episode. Okay. So emotionally, the question was, how do I know the difference between deflection and calling someone out, like, like in a valid way? Like, how do I know that I really have a point or am I deflecting? Okay. Emotional immaturity. If the other person really is deflecting, understand that someone being emotionally immature can make a person feel attacked when they're really just, when someone's really just asking them to acknowledge, but you cannot make someone validate you. You cannot make someone acknowledge you. If someone is, if someone has a lesser capacity than you, like in terms of emotional responsibility, emotional availability, emotional capacity, if you are a 64 ouncer, you got a 64 ounce capacity and they're at a steady 12 ounce. You can't keep yelling at the 12 to become a 64. They are a 12. So you either have to accept it, adjust your expectations and shh, or you need to get your stuff. And I'm not talking about marriage because marriage is a different animal. 
when it comes to like how you actually need to deal, how we actually deal with that. But um, I am talking about if this is just your boyfriend, girlfriend, or the person you met on Hinge two weeks ago. If they are, if you a sixty four ouncer and they're a twelve ouncer, stop yelling at the twelve to be a sixty four. The twelve ouncers need to be with the twelves. The sixty fours need to be with the sixty fours. Okay, that's not that's not shade. It's not um, being. It's not it's not shade. But you do need to be able to make judgments. That is the, not the same thing as saying that um, you are a lesser person than me. But what it is saying is that you are not my person. You are not a lesser person than me. You do not. You are. I, you are not less valuable than me as a human being. But for my life, you do not hold the same value as someone who is a sixty-four ouncer. Okay, because of what my needs are. Okay, that's it. That's it. Next thing um, about this whole deflection versus calling someone out. So here's a real question. Honestly, have you taken that person's request seriously? Because sometimes someone is so fed up. Let me be honest. I hit them with I hit them. I already got them together. Let me talk about you. Okay. Sometimes someone really is so fed up with you. Sometimes someone's so fed up with you that even when you have a point about them, they are not willing to even give it to you or acknowledge it because you're, I don't want to say you're trash, but you might have some things that you, you might need to clean up. Like, have you taken their request seriously? Okay, because sometimes someone does, someone knows that you have a point, but they don't, they're not going to give it to you because you you are so steady trying to get power in the relationship that they're fed up and they will just not budge. They will not even admit because they're tired of you. Let's move on. Number five, is it worth getting back with an ex after we've worked on ourselves and desire to make it better? If you want. If you want, I don't think there's not, there's not a hard line with like, don't ever go back to anything. Like, I don't think that that's, I think that that's just like a very blanket statement. Okay. This person says that they, this person's asking, is it worth getting back with an ex after we've worked on ourselves and desire to make it better? If you want, okay, do it. But you know, I almost have to say this. <laughs> okay. I have to say this. Sometimes, sometimes people are lessons. Okay. And we actually needed them to show us parts of ourselves, okay? And then when you go back, even though, even when both people have worked on their stuff and y'all, y'all exited like, let's, we're going to, let's just work on our stuff. Let's come back together. Um, let's see if we can make it work. You know, I know you got stuff with your childhood. I got stuff with my childhood. Oh my gosh, you're avoidant. I'm anxious. Let's just break for a little bit. Let's take a little break. Let's see if we can come back together and make this thing work. Okay. That is the hope of. Plenty of, I didn't mean to roll my eyes. I didn't mean it. I did mean it. ah, Let's move on. Let me keep going. Let me keep going. Let's not look too far into that. But uh, look, sometimes it's our jagged edges that make us fit. And when you become whole, now I got a smooth side. So I can't really, it don't really, it don't really, it's not a piece of something to piece with somebody else's piece. Because it's a whole thing that needs to go with a whole piece. And sometimes that matchup just don't do that. It don't feel too matchy anymore. Sometimes the chemistry that you feel, that spiciness, 
is, um, you know, because you always have something to do, something to work on, something to talk about, something to communicate about. Some of y'all wouldn't even be talking to that person as much if you didn't fight as much because you wouldn't even have as much to talk about. The main things you have in common are your irritations, frustrations, and deficiencies. I don't know what <laughs> I didn't even want to say that, but I guess I did want to say it a little bit. Sometimes that's the most we have in common is how irritated we are on a regular basis. That's the thing. We we always agree on that, but not too much else. Okay? So um, sometimes people are lessons, and we really needed them to show us parts of ourselves, and our jagged edges are the things that fit together. Okay? So is it worth getting back with an ex after you worked on yourselves and desire to make it better? Um, if you want to try it, but, um, we said in the beginning that a lot of times once you really get healthier, um, you don't even see those people the same way. So I have to say this cause something's coming up in my spirit. I'm going to say this. Um, if you're getting better so that you can be with somebody, that's your problem right there. Write that down. If you if y'all were like I'm going to do I'm going to do all this healing so that we can come back together that is literally a a manifestation of the toxicity of the relationship because I'm not even doing this for me I'm doing this so that I can have you So that's literally your problem Let's move on how to reconnect gracefully after my avoidant girlfriend isolates to process her feelings. I lean anxiously attached and I struggle to pick it up like normal. Number one, forgive, forgive, forgive. Number, if you are going to be in an anxious and of anxious avoidant coupling, you have got to be constantly forgiving. So if that's how somebody, if that's how your person is um, iso- want, isolates to process her feelings and you struggle to pick it up like normal, it's because you wish that she was different and you wish that she wouldn't do that. That's your problem, actually. That's you. So literally, my irritation about the way that you are is my problem. It's my irritation. It's my frustration. You have that frustration because you wish that she was different. So you have got to accept someone as who she is. You've got, it doesn't mean, I'm not saying it's healthy. It, I'm, not, I'm not saying that it, it doesn't make sense that you would want it to be different. I am saying that it's not different. It's not different. It is what it is. And so if this, if this is the way that your person is, and you are going to have resentment for who they are, that's your problem and your own toxicity in the relationship. So people ask this kind of question like, oh my gosh, like, I hope I, like this person shouldn't be isolating. Well, you shouldn't be trying to make the person you're in a relationship into a different person. How about that? How about if the, if that person really wanted to change, it really saw it, number one, sees it as a problem, and number two, wanted to change it, then they should be taking the steps to do that. But since you're the one with the problem, you're the one that has to take steps to change it and not change her, change you. So the first thing is forgive, forgive, forgive. Whenever this person does this, you have to forgive them first, first, which means that you have to take your ego out of the way, your preferences, 
forgive her. People, people only, if they are able and willing to change, they only, they only do it in an authentic and enduring way when they feel accepted and loved for who they already are. Especially in avoidance. I don't want to feel like I have to change for you to get you to love me right. Even if I got a problem. That's not motivating to change your angry feelings. You're shaming me. You getting on asking people about me, asking strangers, internet strangers online about me. That doesn't make me want to change for you. You understand what I'm saying? People change when they want to change and when they feel loved, not when they feel like they have to be different in order to get the love. Okay? So it's okay to make your concerns known so that you don't blow up and get, so that you don't blow up. It's yes, it's okay to make your concerns known. It's okay to express and request. Get the boundary playbook, make sure you're doing it the right way. Okay? But you have to forgive. Okay, when I am requesting and I am resentful in the request, I am muddying the waters. If I am requesting from you in love, I've already forgiven you for what you didn't do. When come on, come on, come on, come on, come with me, come with me, come with me. When I am requesting from you in love, if we with respect for you, even even while even while I am sharing with you what I would rather. You do. I've already forgiven you for what you didn't do. And so my energy towards you is totally different. Okay? Because I'm not doing it. And I was like, I'm going to hold this against you until you do something for me. I'm going to give it all to you up front. Come on. I'm going to give it to you up front. Oh, I'm going to give it to you up front. It's already yours. So I've already taken care of all of that. Oh, this is sexy talk. I don't know. This is like mature audiences only. Like I'll give it to you on the front end. And then I offer. So now balls in your court, right? I've taken care of everything I can do. I'm not holding nothing against you. I'm not looking at you crazy. I'm not upset. None of that. I've taken care of all of that. So I'm going to get, so I've taken care of all of it. I give everything to you on the front end. And now you are able to, you are able to freely choose. There is no guilt here. There is no shame here. There is no pressing here. There is no, there is no, um, I don't, I'm not gonna, it's not a sense of obligation that I'm putting on you. You get to freely choose what it is that you want to do. That doesn't mean that I drop my standards or my, or my, that doesn't mean that I drop my expectations, but it does mean that I don't treat you like you're taking something from me. I actually give everything to you on the front end. I give you all the forgiveness on the front end. I give you all of the grace on the front end. I hold nothing against you on the front end. And you get then get to freely choose. That's how you get to see what someone really wants to do when you're not trying to control and manipulate the outcome by guilting them, shaming them, stonewalling them, criticizing them. I only really see you when I don't put myself in the way, when my negative feelings are out of the way. So that's why forgiveness. Forgiveness is so powerful. Grace is so powerful. I give it all to you on the front end. 
And now I can really truly see where you're willing to go. And I can make my decision from there with no negative charge. All right, another quick break here. The Boundary Playbook is something I've mentioned a couple times in this episode. It is a $12 playbook. And with that, you get access to live masterclasses that I've been hosting about every six weeks. So you can only get access to those masterclasses and the replays if you can't attend live, if you get the playbook. I don't know how much longer that's going to be. I'm feeling that running out pretty soon. Um, There's so many other things that have to happen. And um, not everything is just meant to continue on forever. The, the, the master classes have been great. There's nothing wrong with the master classes. I just think that the season is about to end there. And so I encourage you to get the playbook for $12. You'll be added to an email list that is just for those people. You can join us at those master classes um, because, yeah, I think that when summer comes around, um, those are going to be gone. And, and maybe before that, like May. May, June. I'm anticipating that we are going to be done with these. So um, go ahead and get in while you can fit in. Um, Number seven, how do you stop getting pulled into situationships when you're addicted to the attention slash the lust high, the high of the lust? Okay. How do you keep, how do you stop getting pulled into situationships when you're addicted to the attention slash the lust high, the high of the lust? Number one. Okay. Look, you got to take the power out of lust and attention. Take the power out of lust and attention. How do you do that? Self-discipline. Self-discipline. Some of y'all listen to me. Okay. Cause your mama should have told you this. Daddy should have told you this. I'm going to tell you this. Okay. Some of y'all bodies all hyped up because you're into the, uh, you watching things on the internet that you, that you know what it is. Okay. You, uh, you know, tickling a little song, you know what it is. And so your body cannot even deep, like it can't come down. Okay. Cause you keep coming. So if you keep coming, Okay. And you in that cycle, like you cannot, like you, it's like, it's just a pattern. Like your body is just height. Okay. So you need some self-discipline. Seriously, put yourself on like a 30 to 90 day, like, you know, cut it and get, get somebody to help you get somebody that is, you you know, that's a bigger conversation. That's really a bigger conversation, honestly, but you really need some, some self-discipline. Um, when you're addicted to the attention, you're addicted to lust It's because that's what you put your attention into. Okay, that's what you that's what you put your time, your energy, your attention in. And that's why it has so much power. It doesn't have power all on its own. It has power because I give I'm focusing on it. I give it my attention. Okay, so I've got to pull my attention away so you can do things. You can you can uh, adjust who you're following on Instagram. You can uh, you can take things off of your phone. You can do those things. It's just a matter of do you want to do those things? Okay, now here's the other part of this. That's kind of the practical part. Here's the other part. Um, The question is, how do you stop getting, how do I stop getting pulled into situationships when I'm addicted to the attention slash the lust? Um, I am at this point outsourcing my self-love to other love and now they control me. So I feel good when they let me feel good. So I'm addicted to the attention and I'm addicted to the lust. I I want people to want me. 
Okay. I want people to want me because it, because it's giving me, I think it's giving me information about me. Like, I think that it, that because you want me, I must be lovable because you want me. I must be desirable rather than having that, my, that concept of my, of myself all on my own. So the reality is, is that even though on surface you're getting green lights, like I want you, I desire you. The truth is, is that if, if that I actually have power over you, because when I pull my attention from you, you're spiraling. And so I don't actually love you. I control you. That's not love. That's just, that's just an unhealthy attachment. It appears like you want me. It appears like desire. It appears like love. It appears like want. But that's that can't be healthy, a healthy version of it because I have an addiction to it. And so we already know that if I have an addiction to something, the source is not good. I am, or I am, I am distorting the source. The way that I see the source is, is a distortion. For example, is wine in and of itself a bad thing? No. But when I am addicted to alcohol, I have now taken a source and distorted the meaning of it. I've distorted the use of it. And so we can do that with a person. Is attention in and of itself Bad? No. But when I see, when the, when I distorted the, the meaning of it, when I don't, when I distorted the, my perception of you that is giving it to me, then I have an issue. Okay. So I needed to take the, the power out of it by taking my attention off of it. But I also need to understand that I have taken what I should love. I've taken the responsibility of loving myself and I've given it to you. And it's all good when you're getting it. But when you don't get it, you're spiraling because you said addiction, which means I must have withdrawal. And when we have an addiction to something, there are certain things that we normally wouldn't do in order to get it. So I'm also compulsive. Okay, so I really need to take this, um, I really need to take this love, this responsibility of loving me and give it back to myself. And I take the power out of you controlling me because it's not that, oh, you want me. I need to change my mindset about it and change it to you control me because I need to have motivation to change this behavior. If you keep seeing it as attention, there's not a whole lot of motivation to cut off attention. If you see it as someone desiring you, there's not a whole lot of motivation to cut off desire. But when I see it as you controlling me, now suddenly I become motivated to change my pattern. So I need to change, I need to reframe that. Thank you. How to heal love addiction and disorganized attachment. Oh, good question. How to heal love addiction and disorganized attachment. Cause we were just talking about addiction. Okay. Let's talk about disorganized attachment first. Okay. Disorganized attachment is one of the types of insecure styles. Disorganized attachment has to do. Thank you. Disorganized attachment has a lot to do with a hyper dysregulated nervous system. Everyone on the insecure attachment side, that's AP anxious, preoccupied DA dismissive avoidant and FA fearful avoidant. 
and disorganized. Everybody that is insecurely attached has a nervous system issue, meaning that I handle stress poorly, but a disorganized attached person handles it exceptionally poorly. My nervous system is exceptionally dysregulated. So without getting into way too much detail, first thing, if you identify with someone who has disorganized attachment, somatic therapy, somatic S-O-M-A, soma, body, body therapy, body work. Somatic therapy is really good for you because we're having a um, disconnection. I call it, I think about it like a disconnection at the neck. Like I, I can be, I, my disorganized attached people are more often, uh, more often describe themselves as feeling numb or asleep when they're awake more than other people. So there's a disconnection between like reality that I'm experiencing and reality that I feel. I am, I am exceptionally disconnected from my feelings. Okay. So I really need some help reconnecting with my body. Somatic therapy. You probably also, if you're like most people that have disorganized attachment, you probably have, you probably need someone who, um, is, who is certified and qualified to do trauma work. I find that people with disorganized attachment are much more likely to have really significant trauma in childhood, especially of the physical or sexual type. Okay. Like y'all, there is a, I mean, we could go back and forth about trauma being subjective all day, but there's a, the reality is look, quote me if you want. The reality is, is that there's a difference between like your father not validating you and your father um, locking you in your bedroom and putting a deadbolt on the door and you can't get out until he tells you to come out. There's a difference. There's a difference between your mother comment making negative comments about your weight and um, your mother... Um, and your mother tying you to a chair and not letting you eat. Okay. There's a di- So we could go back and forth about trauma is subjective and it depends. But the reality is, is that uh, that's true. And there are levels to it. And I find that people that have disorganized attachment have, are more on the exceptional side. Is that y'all understand that? We okay with that? So somatic therapy. Now let's talk about the love addiction part. Let's talk about the love addiction part. We're talking about love addiction. We're really talking about codependency. Okay, codependency. I'm looking for something on the outside of me to soothe what's on the inside of me. Love addictions, very similar to to like heroin addiction. I'm feeling um, stressed and I need heroin to try to de-stress me. That is looking on for on the outside of me for to soothe something that is on the inside of me. The stress is on the inside of me. The heroin is on the outside of me. I want to bring the heroin inside of me to try to get a hold of my stress. It's the same principle as love addiction, which is the same thing as codependency. I am feeling lonely and I cannot manage my feelings of loneliness. And so I reach for somebody to soothe this feeling on the inside of me. I am feeling depressed and I cannot manage my depression. And so I'm reaching for you on the outside of me to try to make me feel better. I am feeling anxious about the trajectory of my life. And so I need to reach for you on the outside of me to try to make me feel stable. Okay. It's the same thing. I'm looking for something on the outside of me to soothe what is on the inside of me. How do you heal love addiction? I need to heal codependency. You're going to come to reattach. That starts on Tuesday, April 18th. Okay. Okay. And in this case, this person asked how to heal love addiction and disorganized attachment. Um, you probably feel like you're literally going through withdrawal when you are not in contact with, an, with that other person. These are people where it's like you have been crying in the shower for an hour 
about the per- about a person that you think that you love, who you actually have a very unhealthy attachment to, different conversation, but you think that you love this person, you haven't heard from them, okay, you're crying in the shower, you are so stressed, you're in the group text, you are praying to God to remove this pain from your life, and then they send you a text and it's as if nothing happened. That is codependency. That is the, that's literally the same pattern as addiction. I feel like I'm going through withdrawal and as soon as I get a hit, I feel totally resolved. Okay. The, the solve to that is not getting more communication. The solve to that is healing the part of me that is codependent and reliant on something outside of me to stabilize my mood. It's like a, using a person as an antidepressant. If you are resonating with these concepts and you are not and have not or have not joined any type of program before, I encourage you to, whether it's mine or someone else's, to do something. You can go through, you can go down endless rabbit holes of information about relationships, about attachment styles, but That is not the solve to the problem. And so I hope that you give yourself the gift of moving forward because it's not going to happen without your will. So you've got to say yes to something. You've got to say yes to something that will help you to move forward. Don't just keep consuming the information. Make a transformation. Let's get back to the episode. Number nine, how to catch being dysregulated earlier. This person says, I notice when, and when I'm in the midst of it and I struggle to stop. The question is, how, do, how to catch being dysregulated earlier? Number one, mindfulness, okay? I need to be aware of myself. Um, and so the ways that you can do that, things like a, like a grounding practice. I like grounding. Like when you're feeling nervous, here's what you can do. Um, so you're starting to feel triggered. Ground, or okay, you asked how to catch it before. If you know that you're going into a triggering situation, triggering conversation with your boss, with a partner, with your parent, whatever, then you can ground something like you can do something like this before you start. So that's I think number one is that if you are aware of what you are about to walk into, don't wait until you're triggered to try to get a hold of yourself. Take care of yourself before you go. So something like grounding is helpful where you're going through all five of your senses and you're naming like three things in each, um, like three things that you smell, three things that you taste, three things that you feel, three things that you see, three things that you hear. That's called grounding and it just helps you to slow your mind down. I literally can do, like it's, it's really helpful and honestly, you don't have to have an anxiety problem to do that. Like anybody can do it and do it, do it tonight, do it tomorrow and see how, see how you like immediately come into presence because it just requires your focus to to be very now. Now, here's another thing. Um, I got two more things for you, and then we'll hit the last question. Here's another thing. You need a morning routine, okay? People that have, like, super dysregulated nervous systems often don't have a, a routine, like, don't have something that they can count on in the morning, don't have something that they can count on at night. I suggest to people that have this problem to have two anchors in the morning and two anchors at night. 
Okay, two anchors in the morning and two anchors at night. It might be journaling and a five minute meditation. If it's if that's your two anchors in the morning and two anchors at night, fine. It doesn't need to be four different things, but I do suggest that you have two anchors in the morning and two anchors at night. If you're ner- if you know that you got a nervous system issue, if you know that you find yourself dysregulated often and you don't like it, you probably don't have a routine. And if you do, you're not consistent, which means it's not a routine. It's a good idea. So we need something that that can be consistent. And if you try to have a routine and you are unable to be consistent with it, the routine might be too difficult. It might be too complex. The goal, the, the, the trick of routine, the magic, the magic of routine, the miracle of routine is not that it's some complex strategy that you're doing. It's just the fact that you're doing the same things in a consistent way, a predictable way. And what you're doing is mirroring on the outside, predictability, stability, that kind of thing. You are doing the behavior that you want to feel on the inside, okay? There's also the D-Trigger workshop. It's $20. It's in my, the resource store in my bio. It's like three hours of detriggering work to help you out with this, okay? I recommend you get it. Let's move forward. Last question, y'all. Is this work? Is this um, is this going well for you? Before we hit this last question, is this working for you? How are y'all feeling? How is this going? I love serving the people. I do a lot of. I, I love serving the people. I also think it's very important that I'm honest about reciprocity. And I think that if this work has been working for you, I think that you should buy a badge. That's what I think. I That's what I think. So I love that you're getting a lot out of it. I love that this is working for you. I think that if you are expecting great things to happen in your life and you are still be, this is just the truth, y'all, before we hit this last question, and you are still being stingy um, or you are withholding, but you want people to give to you, I'm just letting you know that I think that you are against your own self. Does that make sense? Like if we can expect to reap what we sow and we don't give where we are eating, I just think that that's just something that you should note. And um, you don't even have to pay someone to help you to figure out why you're not getting certain results in your life. You can look at your own patterns of um, withholding when you're asking for people to give and to show up for you. Does that make sense? So that um, I'm just trying to help you out. I've been I've been hitting the nail on the head the whole time. Right. So I'm probably not wrong about this. Clearly, like, you know, five dollars here and there is, is great. Right. It's cool. But that's not the point. I want to just be really, really clear. It's honestly not the point is not the dollar sign. The point is like the way that we live our lives, like in a principled way. You know what I mean? Like, let me just say this. Let me just say this before we before we before I hit this last question. The point is not the dollar sign. The point is, how can we, I talk to people all the time about, about things, about results that they are not getting. And it's a whole lot about what other people aren't doing and what they want other people to do and, and whatever. But then when we really look at your own principles of your life, it's like, well, do you even, are you, do you even do that? Like, can people really expect you to, to, to give when you're expected to or where you're eating from, but you want, you know what I'm saying? I'm, it's really not a, it's a, it's a principle thing. It's a principle thing. Like when I get, anyway, I could go on about that kind of stuff. I just think it's just uh, kind of weird when people want things, but they're not, but they don't give things. That's all. It's just a principle. That's it. Honestly. All right. Number 10, how to forgive yourself 
after people keep reminding you of your mistakes. Thank you. How, thank you. How to forgive yourself after people keep reminding you of your mistakes. This was our last question tonight, folks. How to forgive yourself after people keep reminding you of your mistakes. Let me just wrap this here, okay? You need different voices inside of your head starting tonight. Sometimes we take someone's role, like the label that they have in your life, and you assign um, expectation to it that doesn't match who the person is. Okay, so it says parent or it says best friend and you have expectation. There are natural maybe expectations that you have, desires that you have for someone that would fulfill that role. But the person who is in that position does not match the duties, roles and responsibilities that you have in mind. And so sometimes there's some resistance. There is some almost like confusion. Like you're you're supposed to support me. You're supposed to affirm me. You're supposed to do this and that because you are this and that to me. But when you look at their heart, their heart can't even produce what you have in mind for them to do. So you've got to just wonder, okay? is who I think that you are, who you actually are, who you say that you are. Come on, who you say that you are, is that who you are? You're going to move into a place in your life where you have to start to take the experience that you have with someone seriously. And when you have your, when your intuition has been, um, uh, I want to say broken when your intuition has been muddied. Okay. Especially you've been in situations where people like gaslit or you got people who are invalidating and they don't give you accurate feedback about you. So your intuition, you can, you start to distrust your own self, but you're going to start moving into a place where you got to start where your, where your intuition starts to come back on board. Okay. And so questions like this often come out of a time where you're starting to shift into that part of your life, that next season of your life where you're like, something doesn't feel right. Something don't feel right. Look, we've been cool. I know we've been cool for like the last 10 years, but something doesn't feel right. It feels, something feels dark. Okay. Or something feels heavy. Or when I leave you, I second guess myself. I don't leave feeling like encouraged and bigger about myself. I leave feeling smaller or like I had to leave something out. Okay. And that's your intuition coming back online. That's your intuition coming back online. I don't care how long I've known you. I don't care which, I don't care what you call yourself. Okay. What do I call you? If I just had to look at your behaviors towards me, your actions towards me, what would I call you if I didn't know your name? 
an enemy? What, what would I call you if I didn't know your name? A stranger? What would I call you if I didn't know your name? What would I call you if I just looked at your behaviors, your actions, and the, my emotional experience with you? What would I call you if I didn't know your name? You hear me? Okay. So you need new voices in your head. People that, um, how to forgive yourself after people keep reminding you of your mistakes. Sometimes when you don't have access to a group of people, to a support system that can give you good, positive and, and real feedback about you. Sometimes you need to borrow it. You need to pull up a YouTube and type in affirming statements. And you need to play it in your ear while you sleep. Sometimes you need to, you need to wake up and I, I can't even get into all this. I got to go. Sometimes when you wake up, you need to just, you haven't had somebody say something good to you and you, you don't have access to that support system yet. You need to just type it into YouTube and get it for, and, and pull it up and listen to, and listen to someone else tell you better things about you than the people who you think are close to you or who, who you think know you. Sometimes people are so close to you that they really can't see you. Sometimes people are so close to you that they really can't see you, okay? Whether it's because they don't want to see you, okay? Or because they've just gotten so familiar with you that they cannot see the, your growth. Sometimes people, they, they are so small in themselves that when they look at you, they only see you at their height. And so... When, and so when you when you get around them, they talk to you like you're them. Come on. Sometimes with these people, when you get around them, they talk to you like you're one of them. And you're not one of them anymore. So we got sometimes we got expectations of people that they can't fulfill, not even because they are trying to do something um malicious towards you, but because it is just a byproduct of where they are in their own life. Okay. If I am small and you expect me to see you get it, getting big and, but I, but I am capped by my own capacity, my own limitation. I have my own limit. And so when you need some, when you want someone's validation and affirmation for everything that you're doing and everything that you've done, but I have not done it myself, it can be very difficult, if not impossible, to see you going forward when I myself am stuck in place. Let's keep going on this. How to forgive yourself after people keep reminding you of your mistakes. Last thing, and then I got to go. What does God say about you? I know that as a Christian, that I, I know that as a Christian, that God has forgiven me. And so when I have a human that tries to take something away from me that God already gave me, and it's irrevocable, it can't be taken away from me. So Wait a second, <laughs> I gotta go. Wait a second. So God gave me something freely, for already forgave me, can't be taken away from me. I am forgiven. But then I have a human that tries to take something from me that has already been given to me. The fault is not theirs, it's mine. I, I have lost sight 
of the ultimate. I have lost sight of who's on the throne. I put you on the throne because you have my ear. I put you on the throne because you in my face. I put you on the throne because you're my mother, you're my father, you're my husband, you're my wife, and you cannot forgive me for what I've done. I put you on the throne. And I, it's not you. That's the problem. It's me. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. We got to go. We got to go. It's not you that's a problem that you keep reminding me of my mistakes. It's me that has forgotten that I am already forgiven. Wait a second. Somebody, somebody tell me that you hear me. I got to go. I got to go. Somebody tell me that you feel me. If you, (laughs) if you keep reminding me of my mistakes, It's not you. That's my problem. And it's not God. That's my problem. It's me that has forgotten who sits on the throne. And so respectfully, I remove you. God, I got to go. Respectfully, I take you down. Respectfully, I move you to the side. I don't have to disrespect you. I don't have to call you out. I don't have to correct you. Come on, y'all. Stop trying to correct people. That ref- Stop trying to correct them. Stop trying to get somebody to see everything that you are and everything that you're going to be. The only, <laughs> the only opinion that I'm concerned about is God's opinion of me. The only, uh, the only standard that I'm trying to live up to is God's standard. Okay. And so if it's not good enough for you, I got a God. <laughs> Hey, look, you got the right to tell me that I'm trash. You got the right to tell me that I'm not good enough for you. You got the right to tell me that you will never forgive me. You got the right to tell me that what I've done is just so bad that you just can't let it go. And I'm sorry. I Please forgive me. But I've got a God who already, I've got a God who already covered it. I got a God who already covered it. And so I'm not about to sit up. For the rest of 2023, trying to bail myself out of a jail that I was already freed from. Oh, no, I'm not about to sit up for the rest of 2023 trying to get bail money together so that you can release me from a prison that God already set me free from. Oh, no, you're not about to trick me, trap me. And I've tricked myself because I've put you on the throne and I've given you the key. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm going to trick myself. So how do I forgive myself when people keep reminding me of my mistakes? First, I'm going to dethrone you and I'm going to put God on the throne who is able. Now unto him who is able to do. Oh, God, I got to go, y'all. I got a meeting. I'm, I'm late. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ask or think. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Does anybody understand what I'm saying? How do I forgive myself after people keep forgiving me of my, people keep reminding me of my mistakes? I need to know what God says about my mistakes and I need to align with what God says, not what a person says about my mistakes, because if I got to do what you want me to do, you my full-time job trying to please you, you my God. 
Okay, so I need I need a different God, a better God. The I need the ultimate. Okay, I need a supernatural release, so I don't have to spend all of my time, all of my life, trying to rectify something that God has already lifted. If I would just come into agreement with who He already called me to be, with who He already said that I am. Y'all understand this, that like at this point right now, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta say this. Now we in a whole thing. And by the way, I need you to join Rock Solid. If you, if you want to talk about this stuff, like on a, on a weekly basis, you know, we're doing that in Rock Solid. It's my Patreon group. Okay. So look, um, I need to accept Jesus and then I get the inheritance. Understand this y'all new Testament. This is a, now a teaching. I have to go. How did we get here? Now we're on a teaching, but I want you to join Rock Solid, okay? Seriously, because we're doing this every single week and one, and, and on a Saturday, one Saturday a month, and we're really doing this. Um, so look, New Testament, new agreement, New Testament, new agreement, New Testament. It's a covenant. It's an agreement, okay? It's an agreement. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this short, very short. New Old Testament, there's a Bible. Old Testament, New Testament. Old covenant, new covenant. A a covenant is an agreement. It's a promise. Okay. What is in the New Testament is an outline of your will. You've heard the term like the last will and testament, someone's last will and testament. It's what do you want to happen after you die? God. Oh, I just feel like preaching what you are you've heard that before someone's last will and testament what happens what do you want to happen after you die well look Jesus has a last will and testament new testament new agreement Jesus has an agreement a will that went into effect when Jesus was crucified and three days later resurrected the will that he outlines in here went into effect. So you have an inheritance. You as a Christian, you have an inheritance that was left to you that you can only collect if you come into the family. So he says, this is what I leave my children. And if you accept me, Hebrews 10, 9 and 10 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You come into the family and you then get the inheritance Okay, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious father will give you this is Ephesians chapter one, 17 through 22. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious father will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. This is this right now will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That's what's happening right now. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know, listen to me, the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance for his 
holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe that power is the same mighty mighty power, mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, all power and dominion, and above every name that is invoked, not just in this present age, but in the one to come. And God placed everything under his feet and appointed him head over everything in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, which fills him in every way. Y'all, I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. That gives you his glorious inheritance for his holy people. His his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power that you get in the inheritance is the same power. Is resurrection power. What I'm talking about is hope that has died. Gets to be resurrected with the power of Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. So my point is this, y'all. Is that, listen... I, you can get, you can get up to a point of freedom, okay, by doing, using practical measures like boundaries, like learning your attachment. That's a practical way to do it. But if you want things in your life to be resurrected, you've got to come into a family where the inheritance gives you the power that you need to raise things up. And the inheritance is peace beyond your understanding. The inheritance is a community, the church. He says that the, um, that the, the, his church, which, which fills him in every way. Okay. That is fulfilling. That is satisfying. There is something in this inheritance. Okay, that is left for you that went into effect when Jesus was crucified on the cross. And so are there are some things that you have tied up. There is a there are there's an inheritance that you have tied up. That if you if you don't tap into this, it's like you have millions of billions of dollars that you do not access just because you don't know. In Hosea, they says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. If you had right now millions of dollars in a bank that had your name on it, but you're living in poverty, you are perishing for a lack of knowledge because I didn't know. Well, now you can't say, listen to me, that you didn't know, that you could have peace beyond understanding, that you can have support, that you can have power, resurrection power. Because you got to be in the family. So some of the things that you that you ask me to solve, that you pay me to solve, okay, should be done once and for all in the name of Jesus. Some of the things that you ask me to help you with, that you pay me to resolve, should be resolved, will be resolved once and for all. Listen to me. I'm serious. This is not a maybe will be resolved once and for all in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, it is your inheritance. It's a guarantee. It's irrevocable. If you think that a will, think of like a, a will that's left in, in, on earth, in earth form, that thing tight. The laws around that are tight. How much more? How much more tight, how much more of a guarantee would be God's? 
You understand that? Like if, if humans can do it, can, can make it so that look, once you write it, once you do it, once it, once it's in there, it is what it is. If humans can have a conception of permanence, if humans can have a conception of an irrevocable will, how much more then would be God's that I wrote this in my word and all you got to do is accept, take my name. That's the episode, folks. If you want to join Rock Solid, the group to explore Jesus's role in your life and as God relates to your journey, join Rock Solid. It is the $50 Patreon tier. It is linked below. You can also skip that link in my bio. You can also search on Patreon, the same handle as everywhere else at I am Taylor Chandler. That's where I am at. So you can join us there. If you want to join the Reattach program, it's open to men and women. Registration closes on April 15th. That is a Saturday. Registration closes April 15th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time. That'll be it. And so I hope that you pop in while you can, because the next time that that will be offered will not be until like August, like late July or early August that that we're going to do the Reattach program again. And so let's get moving.